Good morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for this beautiful Sunday, August 27th. It is about 7.30 in the morning. It is a cool, crisp, but yet perfect summer, late summer morning. These are the absolute most perfect mornings. It's a blue sky, 60, I want to say 7 degrees. It just doesn't get any better than that. It's going to be a good day, too. I uh, spent the last couple of days in the Thousand Islands at a wedding, and uh, I'm going to tell you all about that. It was my first trip to the Thousand Islands, actually. But I just got home yesterday, went to work for a little while, tried to get a bunch of stuff off my plate so today could just be a nice, relaxing day. This is the stuff like dreams are made of, man. Sitting in my backyard, overlooking a beautiful garden. I've got my son right behind me on cue saying, hi, Daddy. Hey, buddy. I just locked the door. You locked the door? Did you lock your daddy out of the house just now? Uh-oh. Oh, boy. We'll deal with that in a little while. Um, no, no, it's okay. His mother's around here somewhere. <clears throat> anyway, um, just a beautiful, absolutely beautiful yard, beautiful garden, beautiful sun. My dog is sitting next to me, and I have a warm cup of coffee ready to talk to you folks for a half hour or so about a bunch of stuff. Uh, I want to congratulate the Auditorium Theater on the naming rights announcement this week. West Her Automotive, now the official naming rights sponsor of the Auditorium Theater. I will tell you in full disclosure, I am not only a season ticket holder, but also a board member of the Rochester Broadway Theater League. I have always loved performance, art, theater, things like that. I've just always loved it very much. I, uh, I don't know. There's something about, I think when I was young... Because I like to think, where did it come from? You know, where did that, where did me actually liking theater come from? Like, how does that get into somebody? And I think mine is somewhat unconventional. For me, I am so, (laughs) this is going to sound so funny. This is actually going to sound so corny. But I'm so honored when somebody has put so much work into putting on a performance. I'm just like, oh my God, and I get to just like pay a little bit of money and watch this you guys spent months rehearsing this and i get to just watch this you guys are going to entertain me for a couple of hours i just love it i love entertainment i love really good tv and movies and i just think theater trumps all of it and uh and so anyway so years ago in uh radio occasionally the actors from the shows that were coming to the auditorium theater or to Jiva or wherever would reach out to the radio station and say, we want to be on the radio. And we used to have these big, long debates over whether or not that was good radio. And, uh, and I'll tell you kind of where it landed eventually. And, and I think at the end of the day was, was probably, I, you know, it's tough for me to decide if it was right or wrong, but basically what it was was the suits, the managers used to hate those those radio segments. They used to think, nobody wants to hear artsy-fartsy stuff, they would say, um, especially on a show like Brother Wee's, which is kind of a manly show, right? They want to hear you guys talk about the bills, you know, bills and beers and women, and um, they don't want to hear you guys talk about arts and Weeze was kind of a bleeding heart liberal, you know. Weeze was just a guy who loved the same thing kind of, I guess, for me when it comes to theater. He loved the fact that these people are pouring their lives into a stage performance. And that's the same thing I love, too. And so Weeze was always pro having them on. And, and this is one of those things. And over the years, there were plenty of things where Weeze and I disagreed. But this is one of those things Weeze and I agreed on completely. Is I, I really enjoyed having them on as well. Uh, but there were arguments as to whether or not it was good radio. And even that, I had to admit, I couldn't prove for sure if this was the best ratings in, you know, Brother We Show history. But nonetheless, we wanted to do it. So we would do it all the time. 
And as a result of that, we would often get offered what's called press or media tickets. And then when the shows would come to town, typically they would run Tuesday through Sunday, and they still do. And the Tuesday night would be media night. Uh, Generally speaking, Tuesday night would be the lowest ticket sales, so they would kind of paper the auditorium. And if you don't know what I mean by paper the auditorium, that means give away a bunch of tickets and just try and get people in the door, get people talking about the show. And, you know, being in the media, that was a big part of that strategy get media people here and maybe they'll talk about it and that's one thing that i really enjoyed about radio as opposed to being in tv or or journalism newspaper whatever was that in radio we had free form opportunity to talk so the next morning after seeing a show at the auditorium theater we could just go on and talk about it whereas the news would have to actually make a decision to run a story Right Or the newspaper would have to make a decision to run a story. But on the radio, we're just looking for fodder, man. We're just looking for stuff to talk about. So if a couple of us made it to that Tuesday night press show, then we would talk about it. And so I loved that relationship, and, and we nurtured it, and it really became a regular thing. And we would go long periods of time where management wouldn't bother us about it. Then there would be periods of time where management would try to lay the hammer down on it. Uh, Luckily, I worked with Wheeze, who was sort of like management Teflon, uh, meaning that uh, typically management would create rules that everyone had to follow. Wheeze would just choose not to and get in absolutely no trouble for it. And a lot of times... I and those around me could just sneak in under the Wheeze umbrella. I could be like, well, listen, he's that's we, you know, Wheeze, that's what Wheeze told me to do. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, that wasn't just Wheeze, by the way. I saw Lonsberry do that. I saw Kimberly and Beck do that. Like every once in a while, they would just do whatever they wanted, despite what we were officially being told. And it's funny because it was one of those situations where, you know, me, low down on the totem pole, or anyone down with me on the totem pole, we get busted for that kind of stuff. But uh, I remember another good one was, uh, for whatever reason one year, our boss just cracked down on the Naples Grape Festival. I don't know why, but he just chose the Naples Grape Festival. And he said, you know, this guy comes up every year. He brings you guys a couple of grape pies, a bunch of grape licorice. You put them on the air, and you guys talk about the Naples Grape Festival t- for 10 minutes. He doesn't pay for any advertising. Why is he getting on for free every year? This year, no way. And, you know... Weez was like, geez, bro, you know, maybe we ought to skip Naples this year. And I'm like, okay, we'll skip it. And Kimberly and Beck, same thing. They go, ah, we'll skip it this year. You know, seems like it's a big deal to the management. And I get the management's opinion on that, by the way. You know, people who just kind of circumvent the system and they go, well, I'm not going to buy the advertising when I can just show up with a great pie and they'll put me on anyway. Anyway, day before the Naples Grape Festival, walking out of the Weez Show studio, who do I see? Guy from the Naples Grape Festival. I tell him, oh, my God, Michael, I'm sorry. We're not able to have you on this year. I didn't, I didn't realize that you had gotten booked somehow. And he says, oh, no worries. I'm here to do Lonsberry. <laughs> so, so Bob said, screw. So I guess the Naples Grape Festival to Bob was like the, uh, the, act, the Broadway theater actors were to Wheeze, where it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Sorry, boss. Um, so anyway, I've always loved the theater. Always have. And uh, having the opportunity to attend so many Broadway shows really just indoctrinated me for life at this point. And so when I was getting ready to leave radio in early 2020, my wife and I occasionally would do a pro con list. Now, by the time I left, I was 100% ready to leave. But just a quick 
note on the timeline. I think I, I left radio. Actually, I don't. I'm not gonna say. I think I know exactly when I left radio. Uh, I left on April 30th of 2020, and I would say the seed was planted in my mind that it was time to leave in September of 2019. So there was about a, oh, I guess, uh, four, five, six, seven, what, seven or so month period of transition there, and. Um, I was a hundred percent by January. So from from September, October, November, December. So we had about four months there of me really weighing my options and really thinking, boy, I you know should I leave? Should I not leave? And it, during that time, we did a bunch of pro and con lists. And on the list of cons was the fact that I would be giving up these tickets that we were getting to go to all these shows for media night on Tuesday nights, and. Um, we both just said, you know what? That keeps showing up right at the top of the list of of cons. Um, we can fix that one. That one's fixable. Let's just buy season tickets. But, of course, you know, starting a new business, money's always going to be an issue. So it was a scary thing whether or not we could actually afford that. But we've made it work every year so far. And I plan to in the future. Then one time a year ago, this was pretty recent. This is maybe like 2022. Hold on one second. We'll be good. What's going on, guys? You going somewhere? Oh, you guys are going to Bagel Land. Daddy could eat a bagel. Love you guys. All right, mommy. It sounds like uh, Leo and his mommy are um, heading over to Bagel Land. Yeah. Surprise me. I love all kinds of bagels. Whatever you guys think. Surprise me. I love you, Leo. You're in charge. <laughs> That's my wife hates it when I say that. You're in charge, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> so um so anyway about a year ago i want to say yeah, i think it was just about a year ago probably the first show of the season 2022 so probably fall of 2022 um i am at the auditorium theater and uh arnie happens to be there arnie rothschild and he's walking and, and also john parkhurst happens to be there so the ceo and the coo there's basically a trio that kind of makes up the senior executive team at RBTL. There's Arnie Rothschild, John Parkhurst, and Linda Glosser. And the three of them together are the CEO, the COO, and Linda is, I want to say, president, or I'm, I might be getting the titles wrong, but basically the three of them are in charge. So um, so let me think in, in order of what happens next year. So they're there one night. We're there one night. Arnie and I, my eyes catch each other, and Arnie kind of walks over and says, I need to talk to you. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, what could this be? Arnie then says, let's have a seat. And we find a little seat, little couch area. And he says, um, I've, and he says a bunch of nice things. I'm not going to repeat what he says. Just says a bunch of nice things. And at the end of all the nice things, and John is there, and it's me, and it's my wife, Ryan. So it's the four of us. And he says, and I would like to formally ask you to join our board here at the Auditorium Theater. And I just jumped out of my seat and I like said yes. Because um, I am on a couple of boards and um, I have had conversations with myself, uh, my business partner, my wife, where I've said maybe we're done with the, you know, maybe it's, it's enough. Like, there needs to be a cap somewhere, Right. Not too many boards is, is going to turn into a real job at some point, and I have an actual job I need to be doing, so it, maybe it's too much. Well, in this case, 
I didn't even hesitate. Like, this wasn't even a question. This was one of those ones where I was just like, no, we'll make room for this one. I want to be on this board very badly. And so uh, I jump up. I say, yes. I give him a hug. He looks at me and he goes, you know what? Ask your wife first. (laughs) But she knew how honored I was, how excited I would be for this one. So I did it. I did it. And so anyway, I have vested interest. And I'm excited. And I know a little bit more than the average person about what the plans are. In short, though, some of the announcements have made clear what some of the plans are. And some of the plans are simply restoration. Now, there's another word you could say, which is renovation. But we're trying hard to say restoration because of how historical of a property it is. I like to even use the word rejuvenation because in many ways... We are going to take the character of the theater. By the way, we bought the entire building, too. The entire building now belongs to the Rochester Broadway Theater League. And the building has many other hidden treasures within it, including a whole other theater. Now, granted, it's not even close to the size of the actual auditorium that you know and love. But there are other spaces, performance spaces, in that building, including a big one that, that holds a few hundred people, actually which is uh, upstairs. It's like on the fourth floor or something. And, and you're going you're gonna to go nuts when you see this. Now, it's going to take time. I think all of the rejuvenations, restorations, aren't actually going to be in place till about the year 2030. Uh, but you will see, over the course of the next bunch of years, you'll see leaps and bounds made every year. Work being done constantly. Um, we're going to try and keep the construction out of the way of the actual shows and let it get done. There are gaps. I mean, if you look at the schedule, there's gaps in there where there's weeks, in some cases several weeks in a row, where there is no uh, show. And then that's obviously the time to get the work done. And then, of course, in the summer. So a lot of stuff's going to get done. Um, stuff I'm very excited about. Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm privy to, what is, is, is public and what isn't public. I'll give you one thing that may or may not be public that I'll just – I'll take the hit on if I'm in trouble for this because it's just – I'm excited about it. And that is more seating areas, more lounges, um, just more sort of space for people to congregate in before a show or during an intermission. Uh, there's already a president's lounge, which is like a paid VIP area, but we're also looking at the possibility of having a non-paid area that will serve as a lounge, couches, chairs, just lots of places for people to sit and be comfortable and really kind of entice people to get to the show early, (coughs) you know, just, um, uh, experience really. And that's one of the committees I'm on is the experience committee, food, drink. Can we bring in some other options, some different options? If a show starts at eight and the gates open at seven, wouldn't it be great if we could get everyone there closer to seven than eight? And I know that's hard. People are always going to run last minute, but give people more of a reason to filter in closer to seven Give them some amenities, some things that'll be great, and I and I do think that the, you know there should be a paid VIP area. I think we can make create a very high end experience inside of a paid VIP area, but uh, I do think an unpaid VIP area also um, is is something is something attractive that people will get a kick out of. Not everyone will take advantage of it, but we've got more space now. We're going to use it. That hallway where you come in on the side. If you ever walk in the front of the auditorium theater. That'll stay just about the same. Obviously, it's going to get restored, but the side area, you can come in and walk down a long hallway. That's getting sort of blown out and completely redone and is going to have a lot more space for people over there, too. So good stuff. Anyway, back to the original reason I brought this up is because West Her Automotive 
has purchased the naming rights. And uh, I saw on social media, as one will, some hatred, some of the haters coming forward and being like, an auto group owns the naming rights to an arts organization. Let me tell you something real quick. Everybody I saw, every John, Jane, Sue, and Mike that I saw on Facebook saying, meh, meh. Let me tell you something. If West Her Automotive reached out to you for the naming rights to you, Sue Smith, John Adams, guess what? You would be West Her Smith and West Her Adams in about two seconds. uh, They are making a very significant contribution, very significant contribution to the restoration of the theater. And in exchange for the naming rights, and I think we ought to be pretty damn proud to be associated with them. Look into the history of West Her. They're an awesome organization. They have built and built and built. And if they can help us do the same thing at the Auditorium Theater, I think you're going to see how those naming rights are a are a uh, a key to the future of better Broadway, better theater in this town. And finally, I will say this for those of you going. <laughs> Look at the Buffalo Bills Stadium. They change naming rights every couple of years, and every time they do, everybody goes, ugh, ugh, I can't believe it's going to be called bleh. Doesn't mean they stop supporting the Bills, right? And it's been good for the stadium in general. By the way, the stadium, oh, my God, the stadium stuff with the Bills. I will say this about the stadium stuff with the Bills, though. Have they gone, have they, have they gone a little too high-end? Wasn't it? I don't have the stats in front of me, but wasn't it like, didn't they get rid of like 30 isn't it something like 30 percent of the regular seating that is currently available is being converted into uh, high-end or vip or like you know luxury seating or something or whatever you call it which is going to just price out regular people so less regular people will have a chance to go and of course they're going to build a new stadium and not do a roof in buffalo that just feels like a lesson we can't seem to learn right um, there are a few. I have a few questions about that new stadium, but I'm not well versed enough in it. Um, so there was that. <clears throat> I got to do thirty quick seconds on something else because it's a really sad time. Uh, a, a, a professional wrestler named Bray Wyatt, real name Wyndham Rotunda, passed away this week. He was thirty six years old and died suddenly. He was suffering from some ailments. They haven't made a lot of it public. He'd been kind of on and off TV for the last year or so. So I think he was dealing with some stuff. It was probably a, a serious illness. But long story short, way too young, super charismatic, the kind of guy who just gave you the chills and ultimately a Rochester connection. He was in a group with and helped break out a guy named John Huber um, who went by the name Luke Harper in WWE and later Brody Lee when he was in AEW. But uh, John Huber also mysterious well, i shouldn't say mysterious that's not the right word but tragically and suddenly passed away in the in his early 40s about a year or two ago and now bray White. so these guys were in a small group and they were really popular at one point in wrestling and now two of them passed away way before their time if you added their two ages together when they passed away they would still have died a little early because I think he was 43 and Bray was like 36 at the time of passing. So just absolutely tragic, just terrible. And, you know, a wife, a bunch of little kids, kind of guy who never broke character. You know, he would always, he had a very dark character, very sort of 
very serious, you know, character. And that character just, um, he stayed in it all the time. Very rarely appeared. A lot of wrestlers, the second they come out of the curtain, they will go right into real life and they will break character and they'll do interviews as their regular selves, you know, all the time. Whereas, um, whereas Bray Wyatt wouldn't even break character for interviews. You know, I thought that was really cool. I really did. Okay, I want to talk about the Thousand Islands a little bit. Lived in Rochester a long time. I got a few things on my bucket list I've still never done. Still haven't been to Marge's. I did mention that on a podcast earlier this summer, but here's the thing. Uh, I was supposed to go to Marge's a Thursday or two ago, but I had that food safety audit. The auditor showed up on a Thursday, and I didn't get to go to Marge's that day. I was supposed to go there for a happy hour at like 4 p.m. that Thursday, and that got canceled. Well, it didn't get canceled. They still went. I didn't get to go because I had this audit. And uh, so Marge's is still just sitting there at the very top of my Rochester bucket list is this random thing that everyone has done that I've never done the whole time I've lived in Rochester. Number two, never been to the Thousand Islands. I've been to the Adirondacks, never been to the Thousand Islands. The third thing I would say, and I don't know that this is something that everyone's going to agree is something you got to do, but I've also never been to Albany. I've been around Albany, driven through it, driven around it, but I've never actually like spent a full day in Albany. And I bet just being the state capital that there's stuff there that I would find interesting at least for a day, but I've never done it. Anyway. So we drove up to the uh, Thousand Islands, went to Clayton, learned a little bit about the, the Thousand Islands between Clayton and Alexandria Bay and all the different places that people can live. Um, I, again, I'd never been, so I did not know what to expect. I was expecting, I to be honest with you, I was just expecting the Finger Lakes, but with, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a complete idiot, so I'm just going to say it. I, I kind of pictured it like the Finger Lakes, but with more islands. <laughs> so, it's embarrassing. <laughs> so, um, it, oh, by the way, uh, for as embarrassing of a, of a thought as that is, it's pretty much exactly what it was. <laughs> it was. It was pretty much, it was, uh, it was the Finger Lakes, but with more islands. So we went to a, a wedding. It was, um, my wife's, one of her lifelong best friends, Heather, um, Heather Knowles, now Heather Wright got married to a guy named Adam Wright uh, from Virginia. Heather's family was from Rochester, moved to Delaware years ago, and I, I believe, I don't know my U.S. geography, but I guess Virginia's not far away, or maybe they lived in Virginia for a little while, or she was working in Virginia, or some way or another, the two of them ended up meeting through work. And so... Um, here we go. We have young love and we're going to get married. So the wedding, uh, the rehearsal dinner was on a Thursday night. You know, I mean, a weeknight wedding like that was kind of nice to get away on a weeknight. Uh, it was nice to be out on a Thursday night. Um, I didn't really have the energy to be out. I think I was still in bed by nine o'clock that night, but, um, it was, it was cool. You know, got away from work for a day or two. Granted, it cost me my Saturday yesterday. I got back in town and went to work for the day, but that's Okay. That's okay. It is what it is. So was uh, went to work a little bit on Thursday. Then we drove up there, went straight to the rehearsal dinner at a place called the Thousand Islands Club, which was very nice. The next day was a cool day because my wife, being a bridesmaid, had a whole day worth of stuff to do. I mean, God, these bridesmaids, man, these are long-ass days. She had to be at the bridal suite at 8 a.m., and she didn't get back to the room till 11 p.m. that night. 
you know, it just a long day, man. That is rough. I, on the other hand, as being not in the bridal party, woke up on Friday morning and had literally nothing to do until about 2 p.m. It was amazing. Um, couldn't help myself. Broke up with the laptop and got a little bit done. But after, well, first of all, actually, hold on a second. No, hold on. I, I, I buried the lead here. They did have a bridal party or I should say a, a wedding guest breakfast. If you're staying at the hotel and you are going to this wedding tonight, there's a breakfast for you. And it was in this private little room and it was going from 8 to 10 a.m. Well, me being a bit of an early bird, I was down there about 7.59 (laughs) by myself. (laughs) There was literally nobody else that showed up. Eventually, one woman showed up and she was the uh, caretaker for the only little kid at the wedding. So the two people who woke up early enough to get to breakfast early were me and the little kid. So later, around 9.30 or so, I end up walking back by this room and it's packed full of people, right? I just was the early bird. So anyway, I at 8 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning was maybe in the most heavenly spot I've ever been in. I had a literal breakfast buffet to myself on Friday morning. I'm talking about everything you can think of for breakfast, like just an absolute royal breakfast buffet, and it was just me. (laughs) It was great. So I go back to the room, I get a little work done, and then I decide, you know what, I'm in the Thousand Islands, man. I'm going to close the laptop. I'm going to go walk around a little bit. So I give myself about an hour and a half, and I go walk through the town. And these aren't big towns. Clayton's not a big town. But I walk up and down the main street. I find River Rat Cheese. I go into River Rat Cheese, and I said, what's your? I did this in an accent because I'm very fancy as a foodie. I said, what is your most rare cheese that I cannot find anywhere else? And they give me a 16-year cheddar. And, man, I had a little bit of it in the car on the way home yesterday. It's freaking fantastic. My goodness. Um, got a couple slices of pizza from a famous pizza joint there in the uh, Clayton. And uh, just walked in and out of some shops, basically. In and out of stores. And the whole time I'm going thinking, this is amazing. I mean, it was a beautiful day. It's summer. There's people everywhere. I'm going, this is amazing. The one thing, though, I always feel bad about for those touristy central towns and, and businesses you know, the little gift shops and whatnot in towns like that is, it's just so damn seasonal around here. I just always feel so bad for for businesses that are dealing with the seasonality. It's just a hard, hard thing to deal with. And honestly, I'm getting my first dose of it with Redbird. Sorry, I had to sip some coffee. But with Redbird Market, got my first little dose of it because Redbird, you know, is is a somewhat seasonal business. January, February, March are slow. April ticks up a bit, and then from May until December, you're off to the races. Uh, but that's always scary the first time you deal with it, right? December, you're crushing it, right? November, December, just crushing, crushing. Then all of a sudden, mid-February, you look up and you go, whoa, cool, dude. But then all of a sudden, February, you look up and you're like, what the hell's going on? There's nobody here. On a Tuesday in February, you know, you sell $117 worth of groceries in a day, and you go, what am I doing? How do I keep the lights on? But then, you know, on a on the Friday before Christmas in December, it's a little bit of a different story. And you go, I could do this every day. We're going to retire on this. <laughs> it's just that's seasonal business, right? That's seasonal business. Oh, anyway, so um, so I go through the town a little bit. I get back, I get dressed, and now it is time to meet up with my wife. She comes in looking 
gorgeous, of course. She's just had her hair and her makeup done professionally. Now, I'm going to say the corny thing that I'm supposed to say, but I believe it to be true with every ounce of my heart. She looks better, just no makeup, no hair, right? She's just naturally beautiful, but I get it. They do the whole, it's like an artist comes in and creates a whole thing from the neck up. So it's beautiful looking, of course. She's got this great dress on, and it's time to catch a shuttle. Catch a shuttle down to the water. The the uh, water taxi takes us over to an island where there is a literal castle. The Bolt Castle. I guess he's the founder of the Waldorf Astoria. Had this castle built, but for whatever reason, they never finished it. So only the outside. So this, this is some like uh, pre- a preservation society. Um, got a hold of it and uh, has owned it for decades and decades and has basically spent all this time sort of finishing the inside of it. And they didn't really know what the inside was going to look like. I guess for whatever reason, the original castle plans really were only for the external. They never really got around to the internal. So this group that bought it's been finishing it section by section for all these years. And a lot of it is finished. A ton of it is finished, but there's still parts of it that aren't finished. And there's signs everywhere about how you can donate. And if you donate, it goes towards finishing the property. But it was probably, of every wedding I've ever been to, this was probably the most gorgeous setting for a wedding. We were outdoors on the front lawn of a castle, and it was right when the sun came out. It had been cloudy all day, but the sun came out right on time. Now, as a fat guy in a suit with the sun beating down on you in 80-degree weather, we started to sweat a little bit, but that's okay. Minor bit of pain to watch a beautiful wedding but you know i'm just overlooking the front yard of a i see a castle i see beautifully man um uh, what do you call it uh, landscaped gardens and yards and then of course in the background is just water just beautiful pristine looking water and it was just the most gorgeous so they have the ceremony and then one of my favorite things any wedding i've ever seen is after the ceremony we get on a boat, a large boat, I call it like a miniature cruise ship, and we now cruise around in the Thousand Islands for 90 minutes, and this is cocktail hour now, right? Now it's just drinks, and there's a little buffet with appetizers, and it's just it's just food. There's two bars on, I mean, the, the ship was big enough that there were two different bars, and, um, and I, by the way, profession, absolute next level professional move by your boy, Pauly. This boat pulls up and there's 100 people. And my fear is that all 100 people are going to walk to the bar at the same time. And, of course, I'm pessimistic, man. So I'm thinking 100 people are about to walk to this bar and they're going to have exactly one bartender. And it's going to take 90 minutes just to get a drink. Well, I did a little scouting and I found that the boat had two bars. So I tell the couple fellas I'm with. These are the husbands of my wife's friends. I say, guys, we're professionals. Here's how we're going to do this. Everybody's going to get on that boat, and they're going to beeline to the bar on the first floor. Us three, we're going to the second floor. Nobody's even going to know there's a bar up there. Ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, children of all ages, I am here to tell you that I am a freaking genius. The plan worked to perfection. We literally got on that boat. We were probably about a third of the way through the crowd getting on that boat. By the time we got on the boat, with another, with another 50 people behind us, uh, the, the first floor bar was flooded, just overwhelmed. We skip it. We find the stairs. We go to the second floor. And this was a three, it was three floors total. There was no bar on the third floor, but we go to the second floor. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there it is, a bar without a single soul standing there. <laughs> I like when a plan comes together. So we basically had a bar to ourselves. And by the way, everyone, the second floor is the boring floor, right? First floor has got the bar, or at least that's what people think. Third floor has got all the views because the third floor is not enclosed. So everyone's just upstairs, like overlooking beautiful scenery, right? Second floor basically got skipped, but it had tons of windows and a bar. Me, my wife, a couple of the other bridesmaids and their husbands sat on that second floor and basically had a 90-minute party to ourselves with our own private bartender and beautiful unrivaled views of the thousand islands it was it was it was great it was great drops us off right at the hotel the hotel is not only where we're staying but it's also where the reception is we walk in basically right to our tables sit down speeches dinner uh they had a cool buffet it was like the the it was a taco station a pasta station, a prime rib station, and a loaded mashed potato station, which this one thing where I would say there's some debate here. I thought that was phenomenal, phenomenal food decisions. But uh, I also am the guy who years ago, I remember when I was first doing weddings as a DJ out of college and radio, and somebody said to me, you know you can tell the difference between a nice wedding, uh, whether or not it's buffet or played it, right? And I was like, right, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Because a buffet is probably a sign of like awesome, right? We want buffets, right? <laughs> and the, so he goes, no, buffet's not awesome. You want a seated plated dinner. And I was like, right, of course, right. I've always loved a buffet. I'm a buffet guy. But, uh, but, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so, the reception is kind of, uh, you know, you eat, there's some speeches, whatever. Now it's time to go outside. And the, this this Harbor Hotel, in, in uh, which, by the way, we've stayed at Harbor Hotels before. We stayed at the one down in Chautauqua Lake. This was kind of an older one. But, you know, it's a sister hotel. It's basically the same thing. At uh, Clayton uh, did a, a really just phenomenal, beautiful job of, of the outside setup, too. You walked out, and there was just this... Um, Almost they had built what I guess I would describe as a grove, right? The florist had come and just hung uh, uh, flowers in a in a giant circle. And then there was just uplighting and just kind of random assortments of lanterns here and there. And it just really created this really sweet little romantic kind of area for the, the reception to carry out, right? The dancing and the first dances and, and, and then the partying and whatnot. And really a lot of fun. Now, of course, me... I was in bed by about 9.30. The reception only went till 10 o'clock. But being that it's such a small town, too, there's this, there's this bar right across from the hotel that literally had a sign on it. It's called O'Brien's, and it said, nightclub, seven days a week. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I got to see this. I never got to see it, but I guess that's where everyone ended up after the reception. Uh, woke up Saturday morning. Wedding's over now. Ryan and I both kind of up pretty early. Um decided to walk into town we went again back to river rat cheese and then uh, got breakfast at a place called coffee cove hit the road and called it a day got home yesterday picked up leo picked up oxford got some hugs and kisses in but then needed to head out to work and got that wrapped up and now got today off so really good week really really good stuff i appreciate you listening thank you so much for being here we will talk next week